podcast. Today we'll be discussing residential schools. My name is Olivia Voss and my co-hosts are Kira Sullivan and Jara Hoffman. And I'll be it. Uh, trigger warning quick for this episode, we will be discussing essay, abuse, and suicide, so please proceed with caution. If that is something that's triggering to you, please step off this podcast episode. It is okay. We will not be offended. We want you to take care of yourself first. Thank you. So what is a residential school? So the main, so basically a residential school was like a day school. It was used to help Inuit children to get um, their education. Uh, the main purposes were to have, for to be able to have native children get a modern day education, such as things like arithmetic, reading and learning and all that good stuff. All good in theory, but it'll, it will go wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the parents of these children really wanted education, but of course with this, like what Kira said, there would be many obstacles and things that would go wrong. So the main ones that we were talking about are Groinger Hall, Stringer Hall, and uh, Turkatil Hall. These were mainly in uh, Canada and I believe Alaska as well. They were also established by um, well-known churches such as the Anglican and the Catholic Church. And they mainly got funding from the government and the tang- the thing I want to discuss with this real quick is the fact that the funding for these schools were was from the government and since these were, were both private institutions, the fact is is that they did not have to adhere to anybody. They could do whatever they want. They had basically no restrictions. So Because when the church and government combine, nothing can ever go wrong. Yeah. <laughs> that was sarcasm. <laughs> Another um, prominent residential school, especially in Alaska, was called a Sitka, which was the first residential school which was established in 1878 by the Presbyterian missionaries. And then, by the way, Alaska was uh, all purchased in, like, by the USA in, like, the 1868, so everything before that was mainly natives and also Russians. Um... I guess we can start comparing the the two because for Canada, they obviously they had the lands way before, so it started around in like eighteen twelve is when they started doing like the school approach. Before they started to try to just do day schools where like the children could just go to the day, but it slowly ramped up more and more to be a boarding school, where like in the eighteen forties and then again in like the late 1800s and mid-1900s. Basically, children were forced to attend these boarding schools and some wouldn't even get to go home for like years. And Yeah, and it's like with that structure right off the bat is that, yeah, like these kids were not allowed to go home, see their families or mm-hmm. interact anything with their language or culture for that period of time. And that's really one of the things is that bothered me the most was like the parents really wanted these kids to be able to come home and but like still want them to receive an education but of course that's not how the plan went yeah and the government set up those schools far away from the homes to make sure that they can assimilate the native children into their way of life and make them pretty much forget their old way of life eventually like both canada and alaska like kind of copied each other with like switching to boarding schools and switching the curriculum. So boys were more like taught like labor and then women were taught more uh, just like 
what, domestic skills. Is so which that is really re reinforcing the gender um, the gender roles within a Eurocentric society. Yeah. So. And in fact, the, I actually was able to find a name. In 1879, Nicholas Flood Davin, which was a member of parliament in Canada, advocated for the government to make their system more like the United States, which in turn, that's why Canada and Alaska have such similar structures, because oh. a member of parliament wanted Canada's system to be based off of the United States. Similar mistreatment to, like, kids were basically punished for participating in their own culture and their own language. Uh, there was accounts of like children who, when they had to go to school, they had to like completely strip naked. They had to get rid of their cultural clothing, shave their head so they don't have any hair that's a part of their culture either. And just basically all wear these same blue jumpsuits with a number on them. Yeah, and that was actually gonna be my next question was um, what would happen to the children as soon as like they got to the schools? But of course, like you had mentioned that mm -hmm. when they basically came in, they would strip themselves of their um, clothing, they would give them um, new clothes that sometimes originally had numbers on them, yeah. yeah, and then they would have shaved their heads. I think it was different for both the boys and the girls, so that's what we know for, like, the boys' side. Yeah. But, yeah. It's a dark similarity to camps that would come later on yeah. with the numbers and all the matching suits and everything. Yeah. America did actually have, like, camps for the Aleutian Islanders in, like, 1942 when... World War II was happening, and there was the wars over basically all the islands and Pearl Harbor and the sea. So it's not like it's something they haven't done. So, like, maybe the schools and those camps were, like, mimicked or mirrored each other in a way. There's definitely some evidence to suggest that for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of comparison between the two, but there's a lot of differentiation as well. So. Oh, yeah. Because with the schools, you can pretend that you're a, like, a great For education enemy. purposes. And yeah. Nothing will wrong ha will ever happen mm -hmm. here. It's all for the Bible and the church <laughs> for all those, uh, the ones run by the church. Yeah, and it's for, like, with that, it's, like, um, just, I had uh, thought about this before the podcast started, but, like, how, um, if, like, how, like, these places were run by the Catholic and, like, Anglican churches and, like, how, like, the religion was used as a way to, like, maybe, like, discipline or help ch ch children learn. But the thing was, is, like, even though, like, um, in a book that was written, like, thousands of years ago and it does not mention, like, any, like, native culture or anything, doesn't mm -hmm. it mean, it, it means it does not make it true. Like, that means that it just because it was written then that does was not written that bible doesn't mean that's not true so yeah when the bible was written uh people didn't even know like america's existed <laughs> yeah nobody know that america existed um the bible is kind of mistranslated but yeah we're not gonna get into yeah. that <laughs> but yeah but it's just basically like used as an excuse to abuse and mistreat these children like if they spoke their language they were beaten if they like sang songs or like participate in their culture they were beaten there's a lot of counts of assault from basically for basically like the majority of students that attended like the statistics are basically near 100 percent of everyone who attended those schools were assaulted at some point in their which is really there. which is honestly really terrifying it's very sad to hear that and it should have not been tolerated yeah. And going off of the uh, conditions of the school, I was able to also find some statistics, especially with um, a File Hills Industry School, 
in which 69% of the students died of tuberculosis in one decade due to the poor conditions of that school. Which makes you think how much like effort they were putting into have these schools run because at some accounts it looks like some of the kids were run, helping like keep maintaining the school and like its facilities and everything. Yeah. So it makes you a aware that they just wanted they wanted to exert power over these kids and do them something and b they just did not care one bit. They wanted so. everyone to follow the white way. It goes in line with how we treated the Native Americans, where we pretty much said, your culture is not important, you must follow our way or mm -hmm. face the consequences. How it's like very little All land. part of hostile takeover and yeah. all of that. So I think right now we'll just get into the impact of residential schools had on the Inuit. So there have been many statistics of trauma from residential schools, and especially when uh, an impact on generational trauma. Uh, such the outcomes have been things like, there have been things of outcomes like alcohol abuse, mental health problems, and suicide as well. And we'll think about talking about the dismantle of the family structure because of the residential schools that had a big impact on that. And because basically with the uh, family structure, it was meant to keep the Inuit community alive and together. And I feel like with the children, with much of the children being led away from the family and how that, cause like they didn't have, they didn't know how to learn with that from the family structure and it kind of like snowballed and made it the problem much more horrible. And it led to things like alcohol abuse and mental health problems and suicide yeah. rates, so. That's the family unit too, thing too. Like if they weren't allowed to participate and speak in their culture and they didn't remember the language by the time they got back, like there's no way to reconnect in like the few months that you have with your family before you have to go back to that school. Yeah, and that was probably intentional because of the fact that they were not allowed to go home because they they were like, oh, if they go home, they'll learn their language. They'll like keep knowing their language and everything. We don't want that to happen. They'll relapse or something. Yeah. So, um, let's see here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ways of things like uh, <laughs> the highest suicide rates in the world, basically. Yeah. That's really tragic to me like yeah definitely I think uh, going into the next one is like what is the legacy of residential schools and how the newest generation is trying to help I think the newest generation is really trying to keep their culture alive they really want the next generation to be proud of where they came from and one thing is that um, with a lot of older generations they struggle with things like that we had mentioned before but a lot of there's also things like food insecurity as well and uh, the newest generation is really trying to make that aware about the older generations and like shine light also on the struggles that the people who went to residential schools and the struggles they had and the struggles that they're facing today. And I think that's really important because it's going to help shine light on this and like be like, hey, if we run into this problem again, it cannot happen. Like, because we've seen the outcome of it and it wasn't good. And we need this, just like this cannot happen again. So. Yeah, that kind of leads into like, oh, go ahead. Especially with the other part of the legacy being so much death that happened. Nearly 500 Native children died in these schools. Yeah. And that is very tragic. And hopefully more and more people learn about these things. That way history cannot repeat that because in honesty in today's society, it really shouldn't happen. But you know, I guess you never can rule it out, especially with how people are acting today. But 
it's definitely well worth it to look into these, to learn the legacy. That way you can better it and help people help raise, raise awareness. That way it can't happen ever again. Because in honesty, it shouldn't happen again. Yeah. yeah. It kind of leads into like the reconciliation that uh, both like America and Canada are like putting into fixing these these like situations in the boarding schools because originally like probably in the 90s when like the schools were finally shut down or like basically massively changed uh there was no accountability at all like there was barely any records there's like a bunch of like people who were just traumatized from this experience that the government wasn't doing anything about yeah, which I think leads to the next part I wanted to talk about was how can we how can we collectively take um, action to help the Inuit community? I think one of the biggest things is definitely educating yourself on the history of residential schools. And because, like, if we don't, if somebody's not going to teach us, we're not going to learn it ourselves. And we right. need to learn it ourselves. Because yeah. if we learn it now, then we're going to not have, we're, we're not going to have this happen again. Like, it's not going to keep, like, snowballing and being, like, having history repeat itself we can't trust the government to do like all the work like mm -hmm. they can throw money at it but money doesn't always solve issues especially yeah. when it comes to humans and mm -hmm. their history being destroyed almost by these residential schools yeah like Canada has like the truth and reconciliation like commission act and stuff so like they've been collecting documents and all that like research and then dividing all the funds America has, like, similar things where they're putting, like, millions to these places, but, like, you still have, there's still, like, limited information that just keeps coming out, like, that was hidden away about what happened to these people. Like, there's, like, the, there are, like, buri burial sites, like, miles yeah. away of like all the, the children in these schools. Yeah, like, especially with, like, the mass graves in Canada recently that were discovered not too long ago, and... A shocking number of the amount of children they found. And with yeah. more expeditions, it could even reveal even more mass burial grave sites, which is just tragic to really think about that it happened. Mm -hmm. And there's, like, still these people who are, like, running these schools just walking free. Like, there's, like, at least a thousand, like, like accounts of people saying that these people that, that's saying, like, people that run these schools were assaulting them and abusing them. And the government only, like, apprehended, like, 1% of the people that were listed. Like, there was no convictions or anything that the government did. They just kind of threw it under the rug. Yeah, I mean, if you also think about it in the fact that, um, like, the amount of records they had, they didn't really have any money, and, like, that could have looked at it away as, like, oh, we're gonna, we're getting away with this and stuff. Like, we can't hold accountability for our actions and stuff. Yeah. I mean, they were treated like garbage for, like, most of their time, like, in America, like, a lot of the, they didn't even gain citizenship until, like, 1924, and then there was still all the prejudice, just basically, like, they had to make a law saying, hey, don't make these posters, or protest against having Native people come into establishments, or just existing in, like, the 40s, and, and like, after on, because people just did not care or like even like supported the mistreatment yeah so i think um i think last thing i lead into is the 
What, what, um, currently, what can you do to help the Inuit community? And I think that um, just really educating yourself on the history of residential schools. And I think one of the biggest things also is what, um, like, listening to the Inuit community. Um, I think one thing is just like, of just like um, them being mistreated and like nobody, nobody wants to hear it and. Just basically, like, listen and boost their voice. Yeah, listen and boost their voice, of course, yeah. And, because, like, with, even when we look at the history of it, of it, and, like, there have been multiple accounts of where, like, they did not, they did not listen to them, they did not understand what they wanted. Because, like, when we look back at it, uh, like, the parents originally just wanted their kids to go to school and then come home. That was not, that yeah. was not there taken was... into account. They were supported at, at first because they knew they yeah. had to adapt to, like, a modernizing world. But when that world, like, kicked them in the face and shoved them into the mud, like, it's just not fair because they didn't have a choice anymore because they were forced to go to these schools, even if it didn't support their own beliefs or their own culture. Yeah, and, I mean, it's really heartbreaking to hear this. And, but then again, this, when we look at the history of, when we look at, when we look at the history of countries, like sometimes it can just be a very dark reality, and even though it it, it is not it is terrible and it should have never happened, but it did it did happen, and it's something that we can't ignore. Yeah, it's a part of our history. Like basically, every country just treats the native people like garbage. America and Canada aren't very different in that regard. Right. Although it's up to us as people to basically bully the, the government into doing what's right. Yeah, and I think also in the fact of hearing some of the testimonials that we know of, like with some being um, abused and then some with uh, talking about how they first came into the schools and like how they were assimil like assimilated into like the school's culture and basically like that. And and it's also the biggest thing that anybody can possibly do is to listen. Because if we don't listen, we don't learn, and therefore we don't act, and therefore problems will continue to arise. Same things have happened with current day movements and other problems that we've had with mass shootings and everything, which is why it's always important, no matter what your opinions are, politically speaking, you must listen to these people in order to prevent these problems from ever arising ever again. Exactly. We cannot stress that enough. Listening is the first step towards rebuilding and rekindling, you know, a much better lifestyle than what they had to experience the horrors and tortures in early in their lives or in their parents' lives or grandparents' lives. But yeah, I think that's all we have for today. Um, thank you for listening. Um, we hope to join you on the next episode. Have a good day.